I'm booked at a hotel in the Catskills. At 10 o'clock, all the girls go into the dressing room. Excuse me. Can I quit this podcast? <laughs> I told Eddie Murphy to stay in college so he'd have something to fall back on. <laughs> I did great advice. <laughs> Jackie, how about the lighter side of history? The lighter side. I'm not done laughing at my joke. Okay. I know a lot of things and I share them on the podcast and you don't care. What are we talking about? We're I can't get a word in edgewise <laughs> on this show. I mean, it's. Here's how we sell it. Okay. I don't know. I just know it's really dirty. <laughs> and that's a real conversation. What a Jackie. What a, what a launch pad. In those days, it was really dirty. The original Tonight Show, with uh, it wasn't the original Tonight Show, but with Johnny Carson when he picked up from Jack Parr, uh, he was not allowed to use the word sex, let alone talk about right, sex. Right, right. Just like Lucy, you weren't allowed, Lucy was pregnant, you weren't allowed to say the word pregnant. That's right. They had uh, to cover her up and, you know. I mean, uh, Boy, have times changed. You can say pretty much anything about sex now on the air. The ethnic jokes are completely uh, verboten now. Right, in right, right. That's the way comedy has changed. You know, in the turn of the century, and I didn't know this until I went to see one of my girlfriends, my last girlfriend, had a friend. I, I hope he's still alive. I doubt if he is because he was already very old. He was the baby man. And he was the guy that they called when they needed a baby in the next room crying or screaming. That was his forte, which is so <laughs> odd. But he, he was the guy. You know, he was the guy that could get that job done and make it exactly like he needed it. But his house was, a, a tr like he had written a few, uh, maybe episodes of F Troop or something like that. But so he had all this incredible memorabilia and he had like an Irving Berlin record framed and it was like something crazily ethnic. I, I don't remember exactly <laughs> oh, what okay. it said. All right. But at the turn of the century, comedy was either German professors or Jewish brilliant people or Italian, like everybody had their slot. And like when the Marx Brothers did their first thing, which was called, I think, School Days, the professor had literally one of each kind of kid in his class, but it wasn't disparaging. It was like, you know, that's, that's who they were and what they were. And comedy has changed so much. You can see in an old Marx Brother movie, they're pausing for the laughs in the movie. <laughs> right, right. I uh, was in a film history course out at SUNY Stony Brook in a room with about 60 undergraduates watching uh, the Marx Brothers in Duck Soup without, they're not responding, they're not laughing, there's not a sound, they're not getting it. They're simply not getting it. The movie ends, the lights come on, one of the college students turns to me and goes, which one is Chico? You know. And you just shake your head. But I mean, sometimes, I'll tell you, sometimes I watch a Marx Brothers movie and I'm kind of mystified and I can watch the same movie the next day and it'll get me. But even then, you know, Chico is, is Brilliant. Brilliant. Is, but he's got a little I mean, hat on and he's an Italian. Right. With a, he, he's a dumb Italian 
right off the boat, which is like, it's got to be so, I'm waiting for them to cancel the Marx Brothers. You know, like, it's, which is. I just have to say this. I recently saw an old, old, old show, The Bowery Boys, with uh, Leo Gorsi and Hunts Hall. And you remember that. Of, of course. And they had the candy store, and Louie owned the candy store, and he's telling a story. And this, I've been laughing about this for days. I don't know why it hits me like this. And Louie's telling a story, and he goes, I love dry humor. He goes, and I remember that morning. It was drizzling. Man, was it drizzling. Oh, it's so ridiculous. It's so silly. Oh, I, so, and, and so wonderful. You know? Oh, so, and so wonderful. I mean, I, I... I actually knew a guy out in California who, for a while, managed Hunts Hall, oh, which is so funny. Like a go. grown man who was, who was, who was he? not Sat, Satch. Yeah. Satch. You know, just characters. You know? Oh, what a this wonderful guy, show. This guy... And I can send you this story. He wrote this story and sent it to his father because his father was a monstrous Milton Berle fan. And the name of the story is I Saw Milton Berle's... Okay, well, that's legendary. But he was with a booking agent and the agent said... A famous agent named Willie Weber, who was the kind of guy who would get an act. And when the act got decent enough, He'd bail on him like Danny Rose and get a decent agent. But Willie Weber was the grandfather of, what's his name, on, on the, the flight sitcom. What Weber? Stephen Weber. Oh, yeah, Stephen I remember Weber's him. Yeah, they had that airline out of Nantucket. Right, right. Uh, Wings. Was it called Wings? I think it was. What you say it again? The show was called Wings, I think. Oh, Wings! I thought you yeah. said. I thought you said Links. I can't hear nothing. Yes, <laughs> it was definitely that. I ran into him at an autograph show, and he's a big fan. It really made my day because he was such a nice guy. But this guy Willie Weber is like, this guy's name was Frankie Ray Pirelli, and went by Frankie Ray, and he had been on Ed Sullivan with another guy. They were Aldo and Ray. And he managed Hunts Hall, and then he managed an all-midget orchestra, and then he managed, managed an all-women's orchestra. And then he, he grew up, he was very close friends with Lenny Bruce. I don't know if you ever saw at my house, I had the, the sign check for a million dollars. You know, it's not Lenny Bruce's signature, but it's a Lenny, Bruce, Lenny Bruce's check, because this guy's good friends with yes. him. And this guy, Frankie, did everything. He owned a comedy club in New Orleans called... Wits End, and they found a dead body in the green room. And his partner was Shecky Green. When I met <laughs> Shecky Green, I said, yeah, Frankie Ray's a good friend of mine. He's like, what? You know. They found a dead body in the green room? I, I don't know. The, you know, there's no Google, you know, so yes. from, you know, who knows. But Frankie was, was such a character. But Willie Weber said, I'm going to see Milton Berle. I need to talk to him. Do you want him to tag along? Like 1948 or something. And his wife had just left him for the band, for Artie Shaw. So I guess he's all depressed and crazy. And they went up and they walked in his room and he was lying on his bed, naked, smoking a cigar, reading the racing form. <laughs> and in his fullest of glory, excitement. And wow. like, he said, you, I walked in the room and it was like, wow. You know, like, like not only just wow, but wow and then wow, you know. But you know, So he sent the, and, he, and his father used to say to him, uh, 
Dad of Milton Berle, he's just so funny. I, he don't got to say nothing. He just walk out the funny walk. He got that funny walk. I just uh, laugh every time. So then Frankie writes this, this story and tells his father that uh, you wouldn't believe Papa Milton Berle's sausage. And he says, and his father, first thing his father said was, had the biggest sausage. No wonder he's a walk of funny. <laughs> That's a great story. And, and folks, this is a story coming from a guy whose nickname in high school was Pigs in a Blanket. All right? <laughs> Shorty. Let's put it that way. Shorty. You know, uh, so uh, ask the children to leave the room. I never thought I'd say that on this podcast. It was Milton Berle in, in Hollywood and New York, and it was the actor Victor Mature who were rumored back in the day to be the two... Uh, most gifted in that respect. And we talked about, and Forrest Tucker. And Far now Forrest Tucker from F Troop, which leads me myth. to my, yeah, to my, my, one of my favorite comedic actors ever, Larry Storch. You know the expression, jump the shark? And uh, it comes out of uh, Happy Days, when right, they had right, Fonzie right. actually jump a shark, and then when you watch that, you realize the writers are out of ideas. Right, right. You know, or else they all quit. <laughs> well, I like to think that some of the shows we grew up with jumped the shark on the first episode. Right. Because right. they were so ridiculous. Oh god. My mother the car. F Troop F Troop, I loved F Troop. And you can't see it very much today. You can see it on YouTube because uh, the politically incorrect treatment of the Native Americans who I thought but it were, had a premise they were the funniest stories. characters on the show. Right. But, you know, uh, toward the end of the run of, of F Troop, Larry Storch dresses up in a sharp suit and he's going to manage a band called the Bedbugs. And they're dressed like the Beatles. And here we are, you know, right after the Civil War, and he's managing a band called the Bedbugs that look just like the Beatles. Which is and just I go, so It's fun. just so funny and so ridiculous, but they are really stretching but some, it. But some of those were actually shows, like McHale's Navy was a real show. McHale's you know, Navy is not shown but, as but much how in does any how did anybody ever buy Mr. Ed? You have to. You just have to go with it. You, know, you don't Mr. believe Ed's it. Mr. Ed sliding into home. Oh, access. come on. It's possible. And then you read, did you ever read about how they made those? How they did they put, make They it? put crushed, broken glass under his gums, so Ed would go like that to try. Is that true? Yeah, that you know, and it's like you read about that, and you're like, ooh, and then from then on, when you see the horse, you know, <laughs> ah, oh boy, you know, you know, maybe they put, I let's just say it was dried cornflakes. <laughs> Give him a break. Here's a joke from Mad Magazine. Lassie, whom they referred to on the show as girl, you go girl, uh, was a male dog because a male collie has a fuller coat and actually looked better on television, and, and, and Lassie's friends used to make fun of him because he had to play a girl on, on, on TV. <laughs> but they would exaggerate how smart Lassie was. Lassie, we're stuck here, go get a screwdriver. And, it, and as Lassie's running away, wait Lassie, don't get a regular screwdriver, get a, get a Phillips head. <laughs> you know, Flipper the same way. Flipper, Flipper was doing you know, nuclear formulas uh, on that show. You know show. what you get when you cross Lassie with a pit bull? What? You get a dog that chews you to bits and then goes for help. <laughs> That's, That's a great a joke. That's a great those, joke. Those, uh, I love those jokes. Those crazy, <laughs> crazy shows, you know. It's just, it's just fun. So, the Friars Club, which was, for anybody that doesn't know, is a classic show business club started in the early 1900s 
by George Jessel and, uh, and uh, Al Cholson. They originally was throwing shows to raise money for charity or homeless or whatever it was. Yeah. And then they said, let's get a place to do it. And they did these yearly or biweekly shows to raise money. And it became a, a famous club. And um, I, got a, I was doing Dial Joke. And Milton Burrow, not Milton, Henny Youngman got wind that I had my own dial joke. Henny Youngman did the original one for for uh, New York City. Uh -huh. You know the, you know whatever the thing was, it was actual dial a joke. And then at some point, I got asked to do dial a joke blue, which from twelve to six late at night, it was a hair naughtier, but not really. <laughs> but I had my own dial joke, which you know. And I actually have a cease and desist letter from New York Telephone saying, you can't use the expression dial a joke, it's patented. So I had to change it to X-rated joke line. I'm like, I'm one guy with two machines and you're the phone company. <laughs> but I, you know, it was with pride. So Henny Youngman finds out that I have my own joke line and he has a grandson who's on and off every drug in the world, he eventually died. Larry, who's a nice guy, he used to, I actually hung around with him and Mark Simone and a bunch of people in the 80s, which is why I'm still friends with Mark Simone, even though we're like this politically. He's yeah. an old, old, old friend. But Henny wants to see if he can get something going, so he invites me to lunch at the Friars Club, years before I ever, ever thought about it, you know? And I went to lunch with Henny Youngman at the Friars Club, and I made him laugh. Uh. And I thought it was, and it was a classic ad lib. It was very gentle. It wasn't all that funny. But he gave me the nod of approval. We were sitting there, and, you know, he kvetched about everything. This, that, the other thing, you know. And he with the napkin here, and, you know. And I made fun of him and Rodney for doing that. Now every shirt I got is full of stuff. And I'm like, you know, maybe they had something. <laughs> but we're sitting there, and we're yakking and having so much fun. And... He goes, what happened to our waiter? And I said, it's been downhill since high school. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, you know, you're very funny. I said, thank you, honey, thank you. But what a classic line. Oh, right? that is a classic you know, line. It was great. And then uh, funny people stay funny people. And I, I hope I haven't told you this already, but Soupy Sales was in very bad shape. He was old, he had a, a stroke or two, and then he was standing on a, like a riser, a platform in the, in the dining room of the Friars Club. That's where they had, sometimes they had smaller shows there. And everybody's eating dinner and they're hanging out. And there's a couple of people, and Soupy is standing there. Uh. And he didn't realize that there was like a foot of space. There was a curtain behind the stage, but the wall was a foot behind that. And I guess he must have stepped back or leaned back and he went ass overhead over the, off the stage. And it, he, he really got hurt and broke his hip and you know, it, so he's a mess. So I'm walking into the Friars Club dining room, which is a small, a small doorway. I'm walking in. And I got to know Soupy, you know, he, he followed us on, on NBC, but sure. I, I ran into him here and there doing joke shows, you know. So, you know, we, we had a s small relationship. 
and he's coming out of the dining room and he's walking with a walker. And I mean, he's had two strokes and he's, he's a mess and he's a thousand years old and he's walking so slow with the walker. And I'm just as I'm passing him coming out the doorway and he looks up and he says, Jack, I, 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 I went to the bank this morning and, and, and I asked the guy to check my balance and he pushed me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you old geezer, man. I, 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 nobody else could say that. Oh, my. How, I mean, he probably said the same thing to 400 people that day. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> brilliant. You know, that's, you know. Oh, and he should have said, and they just threw me off the dart team. <laughs> you know. I love it. I love it. I got to tell you this one. One of my biggest hurtful moments in comedy, the comic strip. And it's in Manhattan, and famous people would occasionally come in. And do you know who came in at the height of her beauty? She's still beautiful, by the way. She came in and sat center in the room, and you could see her from the stage, Olivia Newton-John, the love of my life. And I'm on the list, and there's- Pretty and gentle oh, and, and so light. nice. And there's, I'm, there's three comics on before me, doing 20 minutes each, and then me. And the, just all the comics are Olivia Newton-John isn't there, can you believe it? Da, 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 da. So I'm waiting, I want to get on for Olivia Newton-John. And she stays for these three comics at 20 minutes and she's, she's laughing, but she's laughing, she's laughing. So I finally get introduced and I walk up on stage and I grab the mic and I look at Olivia Newton-John. We actually make eye contact and she stands up and walks oh. out of the club. Oh. And I just, I couldn't even go on for like two minutes. Just heartbreaking. Just, oh, heartbreaking. I mean, <clears throat> heartbreaking. And you know it had nothing to do with no, you. No, I mean, you know. But it, it certainly could have been this guy doesn't look funny. You know. <laughs> Nobody would ever say that to you, but I would just to be hurtful. You know. She would have said this guy looks preppy, which was what I probably looked like in those days. Oh, I bombed in front of some famous uh, Alan King. Oh, I had a horrible set in front of him. And it was my fault. I was bad that day. Um, but he could, the stories about him being such a dick, like he'd be a catch a rising star writing stuff down. Really? And people say, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm taking some of these jokes. And they're like, I can't do that. And he said, I mean, I don't care. I do what I want. Nobody's from this toilet's ever getting anywhere. You know, like that kind of pomposity. That kind of attitude? You know? I mean, it could have been one comic, one time, but like you said, that's... <laughs> that's, that's what's going to go around, you know. I was working as a maitre d' at the comic strip in the very, you know, in the early 80s. Yeah, and they have the rope and you see people. Saturday night, first show, it's sold out. And you know there isn't an empty seat because they're selling every cover charge. they can. It's not an empty seat and there's 15 minutes to go in the first show. And in through the door of the comic strip walks Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Okay, he's big. He's left SNL and he's a movie star and he walks in. And I'll never forget, he's carrying a Budweiser tall boy for some reason. You remember the tall? Sure. And he, he walks in and Lucian, the manager, is immediately, Chevy, how great that you're here. We love you. Uh, welcome. This show is over in, in well, less than 15 minutes now, uh, but we will reserve a, a seat for you for the second show. It's just so great that you're here. And, and Chevy goes, I want to go in now. And Lu no, we, there literally is not a seat. 
No, they, there's a, we, we, we don't have any seats, but the, and the show's over in a few minutes, but we're going to save you a seat for the second day. I, I really want to go in now. And Lucian is explaining, I know, I mean, he really came. And Chevy Chase backs away from the rail, walks to the door, throws the Budweiser tall boy against the wall, and says, I bet you wouldn't even let the president in here. And he walks out. And I was standing right there. I saw it. And from everything I've ever heard about him. That's what they say. Right. I mean, that's what they say. But that doesn't take away from his body of work. He's extremely no, no, I mean, you funny. Know, like, I mean, you know. you know, he's extremely funny. Just like, you know, what's happened with, with uh, Woody Allen doesn't take away from his right. body and of meanwhile, work. Meanwhile, like you said, at the time, he's a red-hot movie star. It's not like he's an old, bitter guy. No, no, he was the at, the, at the top. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I just... Stuff you like know. that, you know. <laughs> did I, did we talk, we're talking uh. bomb stories. Did I tell you about the Concord? They, they, people, all comics talk about the Concord because people are rated by how many, because everybody leaves. Because the people are there for the whole weekend. Whatever they're paying, they get to see every show. So they see a show Friday, and they see a show Friday night, and they see the late show. And I, I worked a couple of those late shows at the Raleigh where, you know, you do two jokes and, it, you know, they're going to bed, you know. And, but once you know that, you can live with it. So everybody's, you know, there's, there's two sets of double doors at the back of the Concord in full view of the person on stage. And when they open, of course, all the light comes in. And they would rate you by, was he a two-door act? Was he a four-door act? You know, <laughs> Stewie Stone used to talk about this all the time. Yul Brenner, Yul Brenner was a, a four-door act. Because he's a, he, this is in the 50s, 60s, whatever. He's a major, major movie star. And they book him at the Concord. And I guess he got up on stage with a balalaika. And started playing the balalaika, and it was asses and elbows. They couldn't get out quick enough, and they talked about it for years. Oh, you'll burn a four-door act. So I go there, and I'm on stage, and they don't like me, you know. But I, you never know, because they might like it, they might not, they don't care, they're just leaving. So I just remember the doors opened up, and I, I lost half of them. I might have lost two-thirds, and I might have lost a third. But in front is a big round table. I never told you there's a big round table with an old babe sitting there. An ugly old woman <laughs> sitting all by herself. And she looked like Buddy Hackett. Of all the curses for a woman to look like <laughs> Buddy Hackett. And I do my show and it's horrible. And most people are gone. And I get off and she says, you were so great. Because, she, you know, I thought you were so much fun. Blah, blah, blah. And she said a bunch of nice things. And I guess I must have went up to the maitre d' or somebody. I said, you know, at least somebody liked me. This lady in the front liked me. God, is she ugly. She, she looks like Buddy Hackett. And he goes, that's Buddy's sister. <laughs> he said, they haven't spoken in wow. 40 years. Wow. She always sits in the wow. front. She loves all the comedians. The wow. dirtier, the better, you know. And do you know what? To this day, I have never Googled to see if Buddy... Has a, um, you know, I, I, and I think her name was Sadie or Sophie, like the, what Mad Magazine would name Buddy Hackett's sister, you know. A, a little stumpy, ugly, oh, pug face. So 
But she was so nice. It was, you know, and that was such a, an oasis in a sea of people leaving, you know. Oh, oh I, I, I uh, was, when I was in college at Northwestern, I took an, a course called Interpretation from a professor named Lilla Heston, who was Charlton Heston's sister and had that same gift, if you want to call it. She looked like Charlton Heston and uh, could easily have played a gladiator. <laughs> and uh, I was uh, doing a reading, because we did dramatic readings in the class, and unannounced, he walked in and sat in the back of the room. When I was reading, and it suddenly went, Hamina, 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 Hamina. Wow, Charlton Heston. He was so, uh, such an impressive actor. Um, he did a, uh, a promo for the college to raise money, and they gave him a, uh, a, a script, and they had a big cue card for him to read. He goes, I'm not reading a cue card. You can always tell when somebody's reading. I was there. I saw that. You can always tell when somebody's reading a cue card. So he takes the script, and he goes, and he stands in a corner. Hey, a new episode of Stand Up Memories every Wednesday. How exciting is that? It's starring me, Peter Bales, and right here, Jackie the Joke Man Martin. Please follow us on social media. Search it out. What is it? MeSpace? MySpace? Your space? TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Do da, do da. <laughs> <laughs>